In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, what is the Orange Team? Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we'll be exploring what is the Orange Team? Joining me today to help answer this question is April Wright. April, how are you? I'm doing really well. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you for asking. So... There's this thing called the Orange Team, which uh, I believe April, you were the one that was telling me about this. Where at like Show Me Con, is that where it was at? Yeah. And you had this idea, and you said you were giving it at Black Hat, and Black Hat has not released the videos yet, and I've been waiting for it to be released so I can, because it sounded like a really interesting idea, and I have decided I'm not waiting any longer. So I decided to have April on the podcast to discuss this. So let's get started. What is the Orange Team? The Orange Team is really an idea about how to provide builders of software with a threat-based mindset. So, so I mean, what do you mean by threat-based mindset? Like, is this threat modeling? I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Well, so... Um, you're probably familiar with the concept of the purple team, which is really the red team and the blue team working together. Mm -hmm. So if we take the builders who are the architects, the engineers, the developers of software, and we make them part of our world, um, we can call them the yellow team. We have red, we have blue, now we have yellow. Wait, so is this the yellow team and not the orange team? Well, the orange team is when the red team and the builders work together. Oh, okay. I thought I just screwed up my entire title of the podcast and <laughs> totally misheard what color you said. No, it's a combination of uh, red and yellow. And there's also um, a companion to that, which is the green team. And the green team is when the blue team works with developers. So really, there's just all sorts of colors going on here. Well, we really like triangles and InfoSec. So. <laughs> Illuminati. <laughs> yeah, so I, I thought the best way to, to explain this to people in uh, cyber was with a triangle. Okay. Okay. So I feel like we need to take a little bit of a step back then. So the yellow team is what again? So that's... Um, what I like to call the builders. So the builders, okay. if, the, if the blue team is um, made up of uh, defenders, um, guardians, I like to call them, generally the uh, data forensics, the incident response, um, the uh, SOC monitoring, uh, roles like that that are on the defensive end of attacks. And red would be um, the offensive arm, uh, so pen testing, red teaming, um, even vulnerability scanning, anything that's looking from a more of an offensive perspective. And then the yellow team would be the people who are actually creating software. So anywhere from, um, from database administrators to people who are actually writing code um, or to people who are coming up with the architecture for a piece of software. That would be the yellow team. Those are the builders. And you said the green team. You threw the green team in there, which may or may not apply here, but what's the green team? So the green team is uh, blue and yellow working together. Okay. So that, 
Um, and the goal of that is so that developers and the builders of software can make software that is more resilient. Um, it's, it's capable of um, logging, uh, perhaps doing enhanced logging at, at certain times when there is a piece of code or a function that, um, that's more sensitive. Or if it detects, or let's say software is built to detect uh, when a breach is occurring, it can turn on enhanced logging, it can sandbox the attacker, things like that. Um, th those are features that can be created when uh, developers really understand what the blue team would like to see in their day-to-day. -day. Okay, and then, so that means the yellow and red team is what creates orange. Right, correct. And so I guess what, what's, what's that entail then? So that would be, um, so when the red team is performing uh, simulated attacks against the environment or the piece of software, then um, rather than just giving findings to developers, um, it's really it, turning into more of a discussion. It should be more of a relationship between the security team and the builders. And uh, we, want, we want the builders to understand not just that there is a vulnerability in this function, but we want them to understand the nature of the vulnerability. We want them to be able to think like an attacker so that they can defend against attacks. Okay, so is this just kind of like threat modeling or are you talking about like after like the application's been built? It's really, it, it's somewhere in between. Um, so as a developer is creating software, whether they're designing a database schema or populating a schema or they're writing an API or they're using an API or whatever it is that they're doing to build software. Um, when they're doing that, they need to be able to think about how a piece of software can be misused or how a piece of code can be misused. Because as security, we're not sitting looking over their shoulders every day of every week of every month. And we can't rely on offensive auditing to, or incidents to find, um, find security bugs in software. So mm -hmm. when we are not there and we, they need to be able to think like an attacker as well so that they can design defenses. They can say, you know, I'm picking input. I saw somebody on the red team use uh, a field the other day to um, extract a bunch of data out of our database. So maybe I should uh, sanitize the input from this field. So when they start, when they understand what an attacker might do, they will inherently and instinctively create defenses against the things that attackers would want to do. Right. So is this, is it, so is this like, I guess, how do you execute on that? Is this where the red teamers just kind of sit down with the developers and show them how they can exploit their, their application or like how, how is that, like, how is that communicated to the developers? So it can be done in a number of different ways and it completely depends on the organization and how much how how many resources the organization is willing to allow for this to happen 
I, I think especially up front, uh, it, it would be more of a, probably more of a formal exercise. Um, I always suggest starting with policy um, and making sure that the policy says that developers and or that, that security needs to work with developers in a structured way. Let's say after after a pen test, um, the red team would um, present their findings in, in a very, the very general way that they normally do. They'll have a, a report and they'll go through. But after that, I, I recommend sitting down and having more of a discussion with the developers and the architects and the engineers and the people who build software, the yellow team. Um, I, I recommend sitting down and having discussions about the vulnerabilities, not just talking about um, what was found, but um, talking about why it's dangerous, why it's a risk, um, uh, talking about where the, the same kind of uh, code or functions, wh where else can they be found? Because developers may see a, a vulnerability that has been, become a finding and say, oh, you know what, I, I did that same thing in a separate application that was completely out of scope for this penetration test. So I'll, I'll go fix that as well. And that becomes a proactive fixing, which improves software. And especially as the process happens again and again, it improves software over time. Okay, so is this like an activity that the, the security team then needs to kind of execute on? Or is this, I guess, more of a collaborative effort? In a perfect world, it would be collaborative, but right. unfortunately, the goals of most developers are to deliver code that's on time, working, <laughs> and correct. And security is not one of those goals. Right. So well, and yeah, I, I feel like for for something like this, and maybe I don't know, maybe I'm I'm overthinking this and more or think of it, it's more structured what it is, but it does it does require like security management kind of or not security, but management leadership type of support. Absolutely. And I really, that's key for any project that we want to embark upon, but right. software security and, and improving an SDLC is a, an extremely long-term project. It's not, you're not going to get instant results with changes. You're not going to teach a developer one thing and suddenly the software is going to be perfectly secure. I mean, right. first of all, there's no such thing as perfectly secure software. And, Second, it, it takes time to build a, a culture of security and a, a new mindset for developers. Right. So how did this idea come about? So I believe that after um, I, I've run a penetration testing team for a while, and um, I really like to go back to the developers and not only say, this is what we found and these were all the bad things, but also say, um, these are some of the good things that we found. We were blocked here, we were not able to do this. Um, this was something that we tried and it failed. Um, showing them the things that they did right seemed to have a really big impact on building rapport between the teams. Through that rapport, um, it's, 
nice to be able to have conversations in which we're not just giving them spreadsheets and and, <laughs> and more work, really. I've um, seen those spreadsheets. Those things are awful. And I think it's much more interesting to them and they do learn something. And I mean, I, we all like to learn and developers are no exception. It's just they learn different things than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, everybody likes to learn. And uh, another great thing is that uh, develop, security-minded developers make more money too. So, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Hopefully they can appreciate um, any of the the help that we try to give. Um, and we all have the same goal of making the organization successful. So I work with I work with developers too, and that's that's the thing that I've had like discussions with them on about security and like to your point about I mean we all like learning, but they like to build stuff. I mean, that's that's the answer I've gotten from them of of why aren't you into security, especially ones that are more security focused. And they're like, they're like, well, I like to build stuff. And security is kind of viewed as breaking it down and trying to break it. So I, I totally and I totally understand where they're coming from. So I, I know I'm not going to change every developer into a security person, but like just just that mindset difference. And, and like you said, I've found a really big impact in building rapport with the development team. And I think that that rapport comes from that understanding. By understanding what their goals are and what their desires are, we can go to them and say, you know, okay, I understand that you want to build things. I know what you don't want to do is go back and fix code that we found to be insecure. So if you do it right the first time and we don't have to come back and say that it was insecure, (laughs) then you can go on and you can work on new things that are cool and fun and going to make the company money instead of reworking code that you already finished. Or in some cases, some other developer wrote years and years ago and it was just awful. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how much you can you can help that. Right, 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 right. But that that is a scenario. That's a scenario I've run into. So. And another thing is that um, if, if we understand that one of their chief goals is uh, related to uh, tight timelines, then we can help to do things that will make it so that their timelines are not impacted as much as they would be by coming in later and saying, uh-huh. um, and saying we need to go back and, and fix this. And the way that we do that is by starting the project with a timeline that includes security. And that really is taking a step back and going to the project managers and saying, um, project managers, hey, these are the expectations that we have for you to build this product. We need these 30 things done. Each one of these is going to take three days or whatever the estimate is. And they include that in their timeline. Then the developers have the time to do it right right yeah so i mean a lot of this just it sounds like something that a lot of people say which is embedding security in the process right and that's easier said than done but i like to i like to have um and i know they're kind of grown worthy but um checklists are a really good thing to give to project managers Mm -hmm. 
they can work with checklists. They can make sure that those things get done. We don't even have to do that. We just have to tell them what we want done and they will make it happen. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're like, you're saying all the things that like, like you're really building my confidence <laughs> um, because I'm, like I said, I work in this area and that, you know, there's like, you said security wins, which I love. And I love that you approach that first. And it's not just always, Hey, here's, here's how we got in and broke your, all your stuff. It's like, this is, this was good that you did this because it stopped me from doing this. Um, so I think that's important, but also like checklists, like you said, and you pointed at the right, per, right people, developers don't, aren't going to care, <laughs> but if you give it to the project manager, business analyst, you know, the people kind of trying to manage the project, like that, that it, they like that kind of stuff. Right. And I mean, we, we can make it so that they have, as long as, as long as we make it so that they have the resources that they need to develop securely, they will. But those resources are also things that, that are going to take time and, and time is money. And that's why we need buy-in from management so that they can take the extra couple of hours to develop securely or to take some training or to interact with um, the red team or the blue team. And if the, if the business has that inherent culture of security and it's a strategic business goal to have secure software and they understand that at the um, if we spend a little bit more time up front, it will save us a lot more time and a lot more money down the road. If like a breach is, you know, a couple million dollars minimum to to deal with. So if we spend a couple of extra hours that on the back end, it's going to cost a lot less. Right. No, absolutely. Now, how much time is invested by uh, the red team into the into with the developers is this a couple hours a week is this more like how much time do you feel is the most effective i think it's it, it needs to be kind of a balance because uh and it, it's going to be case by case for every organization mm -hmm. um the how much time each team can spare um where it doesn't hurt productivity is key um i've i've had ideas uh, everywhere from doing um, like job swaps almost where, where somebody goes and sits with another team for about a week, but that's a mm -hmm. lot of lost activity. But that, again, that's where the, um, if this is a core tenant of the business and what they care about, then that they can make up for that by hiring an extra person or something like that. If you really want some, it, it's like the old, um, you can have two, but not three. And the options are good, fast and cheap. So <laughs> good falls, security falls under good. So you mm -hmm. can have good and fast and it's not cheap, or you can have good and cheap, but it's not fast. <laughs> right? right. Or you can have fast and cheap and it's not good, which is how most software is developed today. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I was just talking to someone about that today. <laughs> So, yeah, because they were having to clean up bad code. Yep. Which <laughs> like I'm sure written as quickly as possible. Yep. As cheaply as possible. Yeah. Although it might not necessarily be cheap either. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's they a whole should probably say you can have up to two of these, but not all three. You can have just one. <laughs> right. <laughs> or none at all. Just you can have one. none at all. 
<laughs> yeah. So how do you feel about putting a security person in with the development team as their as their primary role? Um, I, I think that there's a lot to that. I've actually heard of dedicated purple teams, for example, rather than the red team and the blue team working together, that they actually had a dedicated purple team. I think that that is possibly one of the biggest ways to have wasted time for somebody because they're... They're going to be sitting there, not developing, and only doing security when needed. So rather than having an open door policy where people can talk back and forth, and there's lunch and learns, and there's um, constant contact happening between these two or three groups, um, that, that means that there's one person who is... Um, it's one set of eyes from security. It's not the whole team. It's probably a lot of wasted cycles, um, somebody just sitting there. Um, but that's also probably one of um, the most direct ways of getting security into that group. Uh, um, it, it, there's a lot of trade-offs, no matter how you do it. So let's say you had somebody from, uh, you, you did rotations where somebody from development sat with the red team or somebody in development sat with some analysts on the blue team and got to see what, what the output was from their logs and things like that, then when they go back, they could say, okay, well, you know, I saw, I saw these logs coming out and they weren't formatted properly and we need to format all our logs properly now so that they can be reviewed by the blue team easily. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> right. So you so, you mentioned lunch and learns. Is is it is lunch and learns you feel like effective or is like an hour with the team or you know, there's video training? Is it just kind of all of that? So I think that it can be done a few different ways and it's going to totally depend on what the organization what kind of time they can spare. Um, when you're in like a really lean growth kind of scenario, it's going to be harder to spare cycles. Mm -hmm. So it might make more sense to have um, have the, like an open door policy where people can, they, they have like a contact and they say, okay, I, if, I have a, if I have a, I'm implementing something and it's taking, let's say you have a, a little checklist of uh, contact security if you're doing any of these things. And one of them is taking input from a user and another one is querying a database. And you know you have a certain set of things that you might want to um, have somebody evaluate how it's being done. Um, then th there can be an open door policy where somebody can, can call over to security and, and ask questions. Um, I think that... Um, I think that if uh, obviously you can't keep up with a a one week agile turnaround in terms of security offensive testing, mm -hmm. uh, so coming with findings uh, whenever they're found versus at the end of a of a testing cycle um, is maybe a little bit more useful because of um, the way that that software is worked on it's. If, if you come in at the end with a bunch of changes, it's going to be a lot more stressful for them than a few one-off changes while they're already still developing. Mm -hmm. What do you What do you think about like a like a security cycle? So a cycle specifically for security activities. 
Uh, what do you mean? Well, so like, yeah, 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 I'm assuming that when you say cycle, you're saying like sprints and like just a, a period within an agile organization where they're working on like this set of items. So what if you had one of those just focused on security, either coding or learning or something like that? So that is something that, that that's very similar to, I think, what we do today. Okay. And I, what I'd like to see more of is integration of security into the day-to-day. Uh, one of the problems that I've seen, um, I, I did some work this past spring evaluating a number of, um, of collegiate institutions, um, both for master's and bachelor's level degrees. I looked at developers and um, software-related degrees versus security degrees. Um, the biggest issue I found with the software and computer science and those kinds of programs and think what I've witnessed in my own education was that um, when you're learning development, you're being graded on producing something that works. Does it compile? Does it run? You, they're not looking to see if you have buffer overflows available. They're not looking to see if you're sanitizing user input or encrypting your communications. Um, they may have one class that's dedicated to security and it's probably an elective. And all it is is a security. There's no security day-to-day. There's no, um, there's no talk about how a variable should be secured when they learn about variables. And I think that security is really a silo of knowledge and you either know security or you don't. And there's very little overflow and, and crossover between those two things. And I think we need to make it so that developers have security interspersed in everything that they do rather than just once a quarter, once a year, when we give an audit. Right. Yeah. And I think that kind of does speak to your point about uh, the orange team kind of being embedded and ingrained within, I guess you could say the culture, the, the, the team. Yeah. We need to be more like one team instead of like us versus them. Right. Exactly. All right. So what resources are available for learning more about the orange team? Um, well, uh, so the way I got into this, um, Originally, it was through the, uh, there's a Microsoft book about um, secure coding. Um, it ha- really has nothing to do with the Orange team, but uh, it's, it's the, it was the beginning of the Microsoft SDL, which is the secure development lifecycle, I believe. Um, and they have a very formal specification of how to include security throughout SDLC. I think it's a little much, especially for uh, smaller organizations, extremely lean organizations and the startups and things like that. Um, Unless you have a a dedicated security team and you have, um, you're you're in more of a a large scale scenario, I think it can be a a little formal. So I, uh, well, I, I mean, I do have an O'Reilly. Uh, I'm writing something for O'Reilly right now about this. I, I 
There's a few other books out there that talk about SDLC, but there's really nothing. Orange Team is uh, sort of a new concept mm-hmm. that was um, I've been talking about this year. So I, I don't know what's out there, particularly about Orange Team, but uh, mm-hmm. there is a lot of info about um, SDLC um, security in general. But uh, yeah, it, we just don't talk about developers and security in the same sentence. It's mm-hmm. we're not on the same team today, right? And I, that's what I'd like to see change. Yeah, no, absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to mention that we haven't already discussed? Um, I, I think I would just uh, reiterate the fact that management buy-in is key to any success within a program like this. Um, there's a number of ways to try to get that um, using metrics, using <laughs> social engineering, for lack of a better term. No, uh, that's absolutely what it is. <laughs> Um, uh, management buy-in is, is something I get asked about so often um, that I that's actually going to be my 2018 talk that I'll be giving is how to get management buy-in for building secure software. Nice. <laughs> uh, all right. So what would you like to plug? Um, my website is architectsecurity.org, and I'm on Twitter as at April Wright. A-P-R-I-L-W-R-I-G-H-T. All right, cool. Well, thank you for joining me to discuss the Orange Team, April. Thanks, Sam. It's been a pleasure. That will do it. Hopefully you learned something. Feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on Twitter at timothydblock. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash E-I-S- If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes. Have a good one.